Welcome to the Relationship Help Show, your time with Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. Through the magic of the internet, Dr. Shaler provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis to people throughout the world, and she's here for you now. Whether you are experiencing a momentary blow-up or the crazy-making of life with a partner, ex, child, or parent who is relentlessly difficult, you'll get your questions answered and enjoy her expert guests. Settle in with Dr. Roberta Shaler now. Leave the drama behind and find peace of mind on today's Relationship Help Show. Here's Dr. Shaler. Welcome back. I hope that I'm welcoming back you back because I hope you've been listening to our show. If you can't listen to it live, you know you can always listen to the archive. And when you do listen, you will get the flow of what we're doing each time, each show is dedicated to a different aspect of life with difficult people in difficult situations, toxic people, relentlessly difficult people, even disturbing people. And although it's called the Relationship Help Show, it's to help you with these difficult, toxic, and disturbing people in your life. And today's show is no different. Today, we are talking about co-parenting after divorce. That's not an easy thing to do. I know that you probably know about that. I know about it. I've been there. I divorced a hijackal. I had to co-parent. I had a situation one day when, even though it wasn't my time to have the child, there was a screech of tires in my driveway right in the middle of the weekend, lots of flurry doors slamming, all of a sudden my ex walks in and says, I divorced this kid, you keep him. And I said, you can't divorce your child. And he went away in a screech of tires. That kind of thing happens when you have been with a hijackal. And it's very important to know that co-parenting with a hijackal because you do have to do it. It's not like you can totally escape. A few lucky people totally escape because the hijackal has gone off to some other place with some other person and they just don't care. They leave everything behind. But that's not nearly as common as the fact that the hijackal always is working from that principle. You know what it is, the need to win. So they're constantly taking you to court. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how do you create a really good co-parenting agreement or to do your best to create a really good co-parenting agreement. You can have the best interests of your children at heart and you can go to court with the greatest intent to do the best for your children. But you know it's difficult to go to court with a hijackal because they lie. <laughs> they make up stories. They give accusations. They throw out emotional facts. You know, that's when there's nothing to do with what actually happened. It's just how they feel about something. So they make it into a fact. And because when you go to court, it's just a snapshot of your life with this person, the court people do not know what has gone on and what will go on. They only see this moment and what's presented to them. So when the person lies, when the hijackal lies, they don't know that. 
And so you often get a disappointing result and you often spend much more money and time and energy getting good co-parenting agreements and keeping them and enforcing them than you ever thought possible when you leave a difficult person. So today we're going to have a segment on divorcing a hijackal when children are involved. Good information there, things to think about that you may really need in your preparation to leave, or you'll feel validated and affirmed when you have left. And we're also going to have a guest, Karen Covey. She is a divorce attorney, a mediator, a divorce coach, and she has real gold for you because she's talking about creating these agreements and what you can do in court, how you can have a better result to do all that you can to make sure that your children have the best that they can have. And that's absolutely invaluable because she's practicing. She's a practicing attorney. She's dealing with this all the time. And so then the last segment today is I'm going to talk about what you need to do for your kids when co-parenting with an ex, because these are very, very important things. It's a different situation. You don't want your children brought into all of the muddle. You don't want that. You want to keep them as isolated as possible. They've already experienced way too much. They've seen too much. They've heard too much, and they're very concerned things that children shouldn't even have to be concerned with, even if those children are teens and preteens. They've already had too much. So how do you help them cope with the divorce? And what do you need to do to make the co-parenting as less difficult as you can? I, I don't think you can make it easy but you can take away some of the difficulties by setting up some different expectations. So, so much for you today. I hope that you will tell your friends. If you have friends who are with difficult people, tell them that there is a show dedicated to helping them. They don't have to walk through this alone. Remember, too, you can join in my Facebook group, Optimize Life. Make sure that you tell your friends that, too, because there's lots of support there. If you prefer a private, uh, a secret group on Facebook, we have a closed group, Optimize Life. If you prefer a secret group, you can uh, ask to join that one by private messaging me your email address and asking to join. You can send that to rs at fourrelationshiphelp.com. So visit For Relationship Help. Visit the YouTube channel, For Relationship Help. It's all there for you. But for today's show, sit down, be ready, learn these things, because co-parenting with a hijackal is not easy, and making a co-parenting agreement requires really good skills and understanding on your part. And we have that here for you today. So stay tuned. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting, and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. 
I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. You know, no matter how you think about it, divorce is just different when a hijackal is involved. I know it might not seem that way because you have friends who are having an acrimonious divorce where they just don't like each other, but that's on steroids when you're with a hijackal and leaving a hijackal. And why is this? Well, hijackals have to win. You know that. We've talked about that so many times. So, If you're the one who wants the divorce or they're the one that wants to divorce, makes absolutely no difference. They still want to win. In fact, they need to win. They must win. They can't imagine life without winning in every situation. So a divorce, okay. The children are one of the assets to be divided and a hijackal wants as much as possible usually. Is it because they adore their children and can't imagine being separated from them? Not so much. It's more like, I don't want you to have them. I want them just because I don't want you to have them because I need to win. So there's a new family order when most people divorce. Either they're divided everything or they're collaborating. So there's unhappy, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And then there is, we're collaborating and everything is going well. And I often work with families who are experiencing divorce and it goes from when they're deciding to stay or deciding to go or a long gone. Um, there's a lot to think through. And then that's of course why they come to me because they want to talk about it. But When there's a persistence of anger and blame and injustice and inequity and even revenge, the family remains divided. And hijackals are excellent at all those things, anger, blame, injustice, inequity, revenge. They're they're really super at it and they like to perpetuate it. And, you know, some co-parents don't seem to be able or willing to refrain from mudslinging or offhanded comments and living in the past. You can be absolutely sure a hijackal will not. They are not going to back away from that. Now, there are some times when the hijackal goes with the new supply, that new person that they've gone off with who now thinks they're wonderful. And uh, God bless that person. They're going to find out that the hijackal is not wonderful. But in the beginning, it's all heaven and honeymoon. So you know that they're going to, they may be paying a whole lot of attention to that other person. They don't seem to even be particularly interested in the children. So the divorce goes quite straightforwardly. They just want everything. They want it over with and they move on and you don't see them. But if there are children involved, there may be a time when they don't see the children. And at that time, that's a good time for you to be going to court and make sure you document absolutely everything. Because when they're not seeing the children, they're demonstrating that they don't 
care that much. So always remember, if you haven't got a divorce yet, always have excellent documentation of every time that they made an arrangement, they changed the arrangement. They asked to change the arrangement. They came late. They came they, they kept the child over time. Everything that they have done, make sure that you document. Because when you get a divorce from a hijackal, for a little while, as I said, they have their new supply and everything is about the new supply. So the children are not that important. You are definitely not important. But of course, they will text you about how wonderful the new supply is. But you have to recognize that the children are going to have a relationship with the other half of their DNA, the hijackal. And it's appropriate, you know, unless there's physical or sexual abuse, it's appropriate. But you want to make sure that you're taking care of your children really well. And when there is this blame and anger and injustice and all that's going on, some parents don't seem to be able to to get the other to stop. You know, one person might be absolutely willing to stop and the other one isn't. I mean, I'm not suggesting for a moment that divorce is easy for anyone. It usually isn't. It represents that your dreams are shattered, your future's altered, your trust is broken, and it's difficult, painful, and complicated. But when the dust settles, the situation can be assessed, and that's the time that you have to make good decisions in the best interest of the children. So how do you do this? I mean, did your divorce divide your family? Uh, did they take sides? One of the things hijackals do extremely well is to go and charm your family into thinking that they're wonderful and there's probably something wrong with you. You know, I've had clients whose hijackal partner has gone and told their, their family that they really are concerned about you because they think you may be having problems or you may be a little off or, you know, maybe you're crazy. Anything to get your family on their side. So you get a divorce. What happened there? Different things happen in different hijackal situations. It all depends. If the hijackal came from a hijackal family, then they're going to want to press and be against you. If the hijackal came from a family who's shaking their head and saying, I don't know where this person came from, <laughs> then they may very well understand what happened to you and still want to see the children. It's very difficult, I know, really difficult. And I talk to so many people who are, who are fighting and fighting and fighting in court and being taken back for ex parte after ex parte. Even after the divorce is settled, they're still going to court because the hijackal has to win. So the hijackal wakes up one morning and makes up something about you. And then you're back in court in an instant. And it just seems endless. I know that. But if your family divided for good reason, and one of you has the willingness, I'm stumbling over my words here, one parent has the willingness to provide a stable environment for the children, then that parent has so much to offer. The hijackal will demonstrate that they have so much to offer, 
that they are the better parent, even if all evidence to the contrary would be found if you ever went to the hijackal's house. They have nothing. They are not prepared for the child. But just let a child protective services person or a court person pay a home visit, and all of a sudden it is paradise, a child's paradise. They'll, I've seen them even go to the lengths of having the child protective services or the attorney's person go to a different home and pretend it's theirs. I don't know how they get away with that, but they do. So when divorce is a problem, you can make it multiple problems if you're leaving a hijackal. Now, sometimes the hijackal leaves you and they think they're really punishing you by leaving you. And you may be caught in that place where you really love them and you feel like they're punishing you. Please give your head a shake. They're not punishing you. They're releasing you. And you get as far away as you can with as much as you can at that moment. And I know that sounds harsh, but they're going to come back when the when they supply is not working for them. They're going to be back and they're going to want to fight for it. So take your moment, jump in there and see what you can get. If your children are used as pawns in an unending game, then you're going to have no end of difficulty. And you have to put a stop to that. Now, remember that when you go to court, you want to be the most factual person on the planet. That's why you need all the documentation. So be very, very clear with your documentation, dates and times and exactly what happened. No emotional language, simply the facts, ma'am. And as you prepare for this divorce or as you go through this divorce or even after the divorce is final, continue to keep the documentation. Because you never know when a hijackal is going to make an allegation against you that has absolutely no foundation. So I have two segments and a wonderful conversation with Karen Covey. She's an attorney and a mediator and a divorce coach. You're going to want to listen to that because our two segments are on co-parenting agreements and co-parenting in general. And visit for relationship help for anything further that you might want to know about living with, loving, or leaving a hijackal. Talk soon. Life as a couple can be exciting and enriching. You both feel supported, known, heard, and appreciated. You know you're safe. Is that what you're experiencing? Does your partner have your back? Can you be vulnerable safely? Do you trust each other fully? Would you say you were emotionally intimate? If not, things can get much better. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I work with couples just like you all over the world by video conferencing. If you want a world-class relationship, learn how now. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join and schedule a time to work together. Let's talk soon. forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. I'm so happy that you're joining us for this segment with my friend and colleague, uh, Karen Covey. 
And she is a divorce advisor, an attorney, a mediator, and a coach. She's just got so much wisdom for us. And she really helps people go through divorce, and I love this, with dignity and confidence. And so many times that doesn't happen when you're dealing with a hijackal. You feel like you have been rewounded by the court. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, she works, as I said, as a divorce attorney, a mediator, a collaborative divorce professional. And she spent decades helping people get divorced in a way that there is so that there is the least amount of destruction. And that's what we want. We don't want to feel like we have been raped or wounded going through a divorce. We want to feel like we have at least a modicum of power and that we're going to be heard. So welcome to the program, Karen. Thank you. It's good to be here. And so what's your experience with people when they they come to you and they're with one of those people that I call a hijackal, a very difficult, toxic, crazy-making person, and they say, I need to get away from this person, and they they go to court and they think they're going to get something that's fair. What's your experience with that turnout? Well, I like to say that fair is the four letter F word of divorce, right? <laughs> there, fair is in the eye of the beholder. What you think is fair may be very different than what obviously your spouse thinks is fair and very different than what the judge thinks is fair. So that's the first thing you've got to understand is fair exists in the eye of the beholder, right? And the other part of that is that the court system is a snapshot of a couple of moments of your life, right? So you, the, you know, if you've been married to someone who's a high conflict person, someone you refer to as a hijackal, right? You've been married to this person. You've been dealing with them for years and years and years. You know their MO. You know how they operate. The judge sees you and this person for what, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe an hour, right? People think that they're going to go and be able to tell their life story to the judge and the judge is going to see through, you know, the, the, their spouse and know immediately that they're right. And I have to tell you, that just doesn't happen. You have a limited amount of time in front of the court and the judge doesn't always see what's going on. He or she is busy. There's, you know, dozens of other people in the courtroom and your spouse probably presents very, very well. And it's easy to fool a judge under those circumstances. Well, I'm so glad to hear a divorce attorney say that um, because I tell my clients, Karen, that you have to choose a divorce attorney who understands a hijackal who understands what they're facing, and you do. So if you're thinking about getting, a, getting an attorney, talk to Karen. Because if, if your attorney doesn't understand what they're facing, then they seem to accept what's going on in the court at face value, which they have to, just like you said. And I say to the, my clients so frequently, look, same thing. This is just a few moments that you have. It's going to be what it is, and you just have to choose your words and your attorney's words as carefully as possible to get the snapshot looking as it looks from your perspective, because the hijackal is going to be slick and charming. They'll lie, cheat, manipulate, just like they do in your life in the court, and they're going to look perfect doing it, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Absolutely. And the thing you have to remember, though, the problem is 
you don't get to choose your attorney's words. That's your attorney that's choosing them. The only thing that you get to choose is who is your attorney. And so it's important that you have someone who understands you and who understands the situation and is willing to stand up for you and say what you can't say in court. Because if you walk into court with an attorney, the judge doesn't have a whole lot of time and there are rules. So you might not be able to even say a word. It might be your attorney doing all the talking. So you've got to make sure that your attorney is up to speed and knows what you want to say. And the other thing is you don't want to come across looking like the crazy person, which kind of happens a lot. You it know? does happen a lot. Yes. And so that means that when you go to court, you've courts are run by rules and evidence. You have to have your facts right. You have to stand there and look professional. What you look like, what you wear matters, regardless of whether it should or not, it does. Sure. You've got to be calm, listen to what your attorney says, be professional and respectful. And I'm not saying that all of that will make the judge believe you, but it sure gives you a better chance. Yes, well, we have to remember, we all know that the, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And when you go to court, we've got that snapshot that you said, Karen, and that when you go there, you are being judged. And, Absolutely. you know, it's just the case. And so I agree with what you said. I mean, you're at the mercy of what your attorney says. And that's why you have to choose so carefully an attorney who understands hijackles or as attorneys often refer to them as high conflict people. Because I've been to court with a high, no, know this, <laughs> hijackles hire hijackle attorneys. I have learned that. They will go and fire attorneys until they get one that's like them. Well, of course they do. Because if you're, let's just say I'm talking to somebody who's a high conflict person, a hijackal, as you say, and they're like off the charts, right? And they're talking to me and I can see that there's a problem. I'm going to be telling them the truth, which is something that they don't want to hear. They're not hiring me. No, they're not. Because they don't want to hear the truth. You're absolutely right. And the truth is only what they say not anything else. They don't care about the law. The thing about hijackles is they believe they're always the smartest person in the room, in any room. And they believe that they can manipulate anybody. And that's the arrogance that they take to court. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the sad part is because of the way the system is structured and there's so many people going through at the same time, it's easy for them to be right for, you know, in court, at least for a certain period of time. What you need to know is that over time, if you are consistent, if you are reasonable, if you show the court, you know, who good you documentation. Really are, right. And you bring documents and you bring proof. Ultimately, you have a fighting chance of showing the judge what's really going on. They can see through the high conflict person then. But until that time, good luck. Well, I want to speak to that point because I know from my experience that you're absolutely right. I'll talk about one client that I have. We've been working together for two and a half years. I've been to court on her behalf twice, which absolutely stunned the hijackle that I showed up there. He was petrified. And I said to her, you know, even if it takes living in your car, which it actually did, if you can 
find the fortitude and the strength and the power to keep going to court, to keep presenting the facts, he will implode. And, you know, she would text me late at night. We would do whatever we had to do because this was a very important case to me. And in the end, yay, the court saw him. He was convicted of money laundering, fraud, and uh, perjury. And he's being deported after he serves his sentence. Wow. But that was that this woman was absolutely willing to be that bulldog terrier holding on to this. No, she presented well. She brought the right people to stand up for her. And we finally made it. But most people don't have that luxury. What do you think is the very best thing they can do if they only have one or two shots? What do you mean if they only have one or two shots? So maybe they go, they go to court and the first time they, they say, oh, no, 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 and they're willing to go back again and maybe do an ex parte or do something to say this isn't working. But if they can't afford an attorney following that, how do they get the best bang for the buck at the first two or three times that they can go to court? Um, well, that, there's a couple of things baked into that. I mean, obviously, every time you go to court, you want to, as I said, present yourself well, dress well, be organized, bring all the paperwork and evidence that you have every single time, and be able to pull out what you need when you need it to show the judge. So that means you can't just bring this mass of paperwork, right? You've got to know how to find things. And you do the best that you can to, the other thing is you keep calm. If you, if, if you allow the hijackal to trigger you and then you lose it, you look like the crazy person. So you've got to walk in there with the tools to understand like, okay, just breathe. I can get through this and keep your own cool. So that's the best that you can do. But the other thing is understand there is no, you go to one court one time and everything is resolved. In my experience, that doesn't happen ever. You're going to go to court again and again and again and again and again, ad nauseum, right? So if you can only afford an attorney for a, you know, a period of time, use the attorney to your best advantage. Try to you know, talk to that attorney. Educate yourself. If I could say anything to anybody, it's educate yourself because you're going to be in this for the long haul. And then if you lose an attorney, that's a, you, you go to court yourself. And is that optimal? No, of course not. But if that's the best you can do, you do it. You don't just give up and bury your head in the sand. You don't have that luxury. Great advice. So we're going to talk more with my guest, Karen Covey, right after this. If you want to learn more about her, go to her website, karencovey.com, K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V-Y.com. And this is great stuff. You can't get this advice anywhere else. And we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing. 
to save your sanity and to stopping the crazy making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now and let's talk soon. Welcome back to part two of my wonderful conversation with divorce attorney, mediator, coach, and all-round wonderful advisor to people looking for a divorce, especially if you happen to be with a hijackal, Karen Covey. So Karen, we were talking about, all right, present yourself really well. First impressions count in court. And then if you recognize and it's very important everybody recognize this is a long process. If you are divorcing a hijackal, they're going to jump into court on every last little possible thing. And so just get used to that because it's going to happen. But start well. So let's talk about some things that might happen in court. I've had situations where people thought they were going to court, they were going to get 50-50 custody, and all of a sudden they, the hijackal got... 100% custody. You know, like a stunning result. My client would come back from court and be absolutely stunned at what had happened. And how does that happen? It can happen a lot of different ways. And I wish I, I, wish I could tell you that it doesn't happen, but it does. And part of it is preparation in advance. So you can't just meet with your attorney five minutes before you walk into the courtroom and assume that everything is going to be agreed. Look, you know who you married. You are going to be divorcing the same person that you married. So if you know that this is, you know, there's a good chance that this isn't going to go well, prepare yourself, talk to your attorney, spend an hour with your attorney before you go to court to say, okay, What's going to happen? What are my choices? What exactly are, you know, what's being heard today? What's being done today? And if you don't know that, then you better figure that out and make sure that your attorney gets on the same page before you walk into the courtroom. And that's going to cost you some money, but it's well worth it. Do you advise that people actually remind their attorney by having a session like right before they go to court the day before refresh and remind the attorney of their particular needs and wants it's a good idea i mean look the attorneys are busy too and they have i don't know any attorney that just handles one case you know unless it's a gigantic case um so they've got a lot of clients they've got a lot of things going on and you it, it can't hurt for you to say to them you know this is what i want and this is this is my perspective. Are we on the same page? Are we good with that? But more importantly is knowing from them what's going on in court that day because different things get scheduled for different days. You walk in there thinking it's a status and then all of a sudden you walk out and you lost custody. Oh my goodness, how did that happen, right? Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, <laughs> that happens too frequently. So that's why I tell my clients, and I'm glad that you said that, that okay. See if you can have a half hour, you know, meet your attorney before you go to court if possible, refresh the ideas and know what you're there for and remind them of the hijackal nature of their, of their uh, hopefully, ex. And uh, that, that helps because many times the, the attorney has just come from somewhere else and they, 
if you refresh them, it helps. So I just want to comment on something that you said, you know, you married them and you're divorcing the same person. With hijackals, that's often not the case. Because when you when you married them, you were still in the love bombing stage. They were still being the most wonderful person that you could possibly imagine. They could read your mind and they were just this gift. And their hijackal nature doesn't really show up until after they've gotcha. So you are now stunned that this person that you so hoped was who they are, and we get hooked on hope. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We so hope that that's who they were. Now we're divorcing them. We're crushed already. We're we're enraged. We're uh, bewildered. There's so much that has changed. And that's why they need you and I, because you need to have dealt with the emotional nature of what's going on, preferably before and while you're going to court. Because that that's just a huge shift, and you've got to get your head on straight to give your attorney the best shot at doing their best job. Absolutely. I mean, and when I say you've got to keep your emotions under control so that you don't look like a lunatic when you're in the courtroom, how do you expect to do that when you, as you said, your whole world has been destroyed. Life isn't what you thought it was. And, you know, you you did. You're divorcing the same person you married. The problem was you didn't realize who that person really was. Exactly. And so you're dealing with all this emotional stuff. You know, I tell all of my clients, get a therapist. Get some help going through this process. Even, you know, whether you've got a high-conflict spouse or not, you're still an emotional wreck. It's that much worse when you have a high-conflict spouse. You need support and help getting through the system. Yes. And so I want to talk about another little piece of this because hijackals have this nasty way of making it appear in court that you are not a good parent. Mm -hmm. They bring false evidence that, well, they call it evidence, but they make allegations and they state them as facts. And in that snapshot that we talked about in part one, where you just get the snapshot of that day in court with that judge at that time, and who knows which side of the bed the judge got off on this morning. (laughs) Um, We've just got that moment. So sometimes we just get painted into a corner as being an unfit parent. What can we do at that moment? What do you do as an attorney when those allegations start to come forward? First of all, you don't wait for those allegations to come forward. You don't wait until you're being painted in the corner to try to figure out how do I get out of this, right? It starts by being smart in advance. So a couple things you can do. Number one, on you know oral conversations that you have with your spouse, sorry, he said, she said, you're never going to be able to prove them. So- Limit your conversations, get, you know, try to only respond to your spouse or get them, get a court order if you need that says everything will be in email or in text, you know, so that you have things in writing. So you, the judge could see the line of a conversation and that's proof of what was said versus, well, I said this, he said that you're never going to know what happened then. There are also a lot of really, really good parenting applications now, apps that you can get that are amazing because they keep the thread of the conversation and nobody can erase it after the fact. Nobody can change it. So it's an easy way to show the court and judges understand these apps 
And at least in my experience, they respect them and they say, okay, if you two can't talk to each other and I don't know who's telling me the truth, you're going to use this app and you're going to communicate via email and I'll see what really happened. So the idea is to start documenting right from the beginning everything that happens so and be reasonable okay don't go off on your spouse in, in an email be be as careful with what you say in an email as you would in court and make sure everything is documented then when you go to court you are prepared to present the real situation you're not getting caught in a he said she said well said. <laughs> this documentation, sometimes I'll have my clients go back to the very first moment they recognized what was going on. And even though they may not remember the exact date, at least they write it down like journal entries and then keep very, very good records because that he said, she said business doesn't fly. But when somebody is accusing you of being a poor parent and you know that you haven't been, is it best to bring a witness? Is it best to, what, what's the best thing to do? It, it all depends on the situation and what exactly you're being accused of. Um, you don't want to walk in with 25 people as witnesses. You know, first of all, it's going to make you look again like you're the crazy one. You're um, histrionic. You're the one that's making a mountain out of a molehill, right? You don't want to do that. Second of all, you want to keep the people who you need to testify for the moments when they're actually going to be heard. You know, so talk to your attorney and find out how much time do you have for this court hearing? If you've only got 10 minutes and you've got three people with you, they're not even going to get sworn in in that amount of time. So you have to understand if, you know, who might be needed so that you don't use up your, you know, your goodwill with that person. And then the next time you go to court and you need them again, they're going to be say they're going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it, I'm too busy, I've already done that for you, right? So you want to get the most bang for your buck and put the people, you know, bring the people who need to be there at the time. So you talk to your attorney in advance and you find out, okay, my spouse is saying that I, you know, abuse the kids, that I hit the kids, but at that, you know, but it's not true and here's the babysitter to say that what he said happened didn't happen or the teacher or the whatever, you know, does that help? Is this going to be a hearing? Can these people testify? Or, you know, what can I do? Should I bring them with? Um, and, you know, work with your attorney so that you bring the people to court with you who need to be there, but you don't bring everybody in the world if you don't, if you don't need them. Yes, and of course, you look really defensive if you bring 25 people yes. with you. So that's not a good thing. Great advice, Karen. Now I'm talking with Karen Covey. Divorce advisor, attorney, mediator. Obviously, you, you need someone like Karen. And if you're anywhere near, what, what uh, jurisdictions can you work in, Karen? I work in Illinois, specifically in the Chicago and uh, DuPage County area. So Cook County and DuPage County. Um, and most of the work that I do is advising people. I'm more of an advisor and a strategist at this point. And the cases that I take are with people who are usually involved in mediation or the collaborative process, which can't, believe it or not, you can use those processes, even if you're married to a hijackal, but it, it, it takes some finesse. It takes a little yes. experience. And again, the problem with any alternative to court is that they don't want to be there because they lose their audience. So it becomes a little bit tricky, but it can be done. 
Well, I love what you said about them losing their audience because hijackals love an audience. So just before we close, Karen, I have a big question for you because you're one of the few people who can answer this. Um, what can a partner do when they know that their children are being neglected or even abused when they're in the custody that has been given to them by the court to the hijackal? What can they do? It all comes down to proof. And unfortunately, if you have children who are really young, they can't speak up for themselves very well. Um, the first thing that I would do is ask through your attorney, ask to get an attorney appointed for the children. Because that person, either a guardian ad litem or a child representative or a child attorney, they're called different things depending on what jurisdiction you're in. They have different, slightly different functions. But basically, you want an independent person in there who can evaluate, who can talk to the kids and evaluate what's happening. That would be step one. Um, you might want to try to get an examination, a mental health examination, a psychological examination of your spouse. But usually that takes a while for the court to order it. And of course it costs money. I mean, five, $10,000 for that kind of an evaluation and know that you'll be evaluated too. So if you're not okay with that, don't go that road. Great advice. That 730 eval that Karen's talking about, yes, it's expensive, but it can be very, very effective too and save your children. Thank you so much for being with us today, Karen. Your information is invaluable and your insights and experience really help folks. Thanks so much. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure. My guest is Karen Covey. She is a divorce advisor, a mediator, an attorney, a coach. You can find her at karencovey.com, K-A-R-E-N-C-O-V-Y.com. And if you happen to be with a hijackal, remember, you need an attorney who knows. No matter what's happening right now, life can get better. If you have a good relationship, it can become great. If your relationship is in trouble, we can find a solution. The good news is that it's in your hands to start. The not-so-good news is that it takes time, new insights and skills, and a whole bunch of willingness. But who would settle for less? Not you, right? Good. You want to feel seen, heard, known, accepted, and appreciated. You want honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability, too. Read my book, Kaizen for Couples, available for download at couplesbook.com. Start there, and let's talk soon. Co-parenting with a relentlessly difficult person. I call them hijackals. You may call them a narcissist, a borderline, a sociopath, a psychopath, a histrionic, whatever. It may just be someone who's extremely passive-aggressive. But there are five things that you really need to be aware of for raising healthy kids when you're co-parenting with a difficult ex. Your kids just cannot become pawns and messengers and casualties of the divorce wars. I know you don't want that, but the hijackal will use them for that. <clears throat> so in a perfect world, 
Your children would only know that life is more peaceful with two homes and that they miss the parent they're not with. That's it. That's all they need to want to know. But co-parenting with a former partner needs to be all about the children and not about your relationship with your ex. And that's not always easy, but it is absolutely necessary. So stay with that focus. Children need to know and to feel that they're more important than the conflict that is or hopefully was between their parents. So maintaining that is what effective conscious co-parenting is all about. Co-parenting with a chronically difficult ex, that can be one of the most trying experiences of your life. I know, I did it. It's tension-ridden, anxiety-producing, and kind of, I can't believe you did that territory, and it never seems to end. You know, in my book, Escaping the Hijackle Trap, I coined that term hijackles, and you know what they are. They're people who hijack relationships for their own purpose and then try to take all the control and power. So no matter what happens, a hijackal has to be right. Therefore, no matter what happens, you are wrong. So if you have a hijackal ex, I am speaking to you. Oh, yes. And the emails and the texts and the angry phone calls, they just keep coming too. And just when you think it can't get worse, you're hit with an ex parte hearing for some alleged infraction that didn't happen. It's all drama, drama, drama. Co-parenting with a hijackal is an exercise in tenacity. How long can you hang on and hang in? You're pushed to the edge of reason and then pushed again. The hijackal specializes in catching you off guard and keeping you out of the loop. I'm sure you've noticed that. Then when you think there is a lull, you're hoping there's a lull, you're hoping for peace, another emotional storm erupts and you become the devil in disguise. The children are terribly caught. Whom do they please? Whom do they believe? Where is their allegiance? Where are they safe? Big questions for little people. In a hijackle-free relationship, both people realize that it's unnecessary and unkind to expose the children to adult relationship issues. When you co-parent well, you eliminate exposing the children to them. They know mom and dad are not together and choose to live apart. They will see and feel the difficulties as they experience the changes, and your job is to reassure them that you both love them and you always will do all you can to keep their lives as normal as possible. No details required about the relationship. Not only do they not need those details about the split up, if you spill them, you risk jeopardizing their relationship with the other parent when you share them, and that's just not fair to the kids. Hijackals, however, fail to see this risk involved in bad-mouthing the other parent. In fact, they see it as an opportunity to win, their favorite thing. That's what's most important to them at all times. Unfortunately, they happily paint you as the villain, the saboteur, the useless, thoughtless, selfless, selfish person they know themselves to be. The children are caught. They love their parents, both parents, and they often learn to tell each parent what they think they want to hear. That's just unhealthy for children. 
Children will have questions, but you have to answer them in the most age-appropriate way. Their ages, not yours, in the most appropriate age-appropriate way for them to understand the most general issues, no specifics, and particularly be careful. No blaming, no shaming, no defaming your partner in the hearing of your children. I know it's hard, but that's what you do for your children. It's not about what you'd like to do. It's what you do for your children, what you know is best. Sadly, in a hijackal situation, it's all about involving the children in the war. Hijackals have to win every moment, so that's the problem. In order to win, somebody has to lose. In fact, for hijackals, the more people who lose, the better. So you are going to lose because you, after all, are the devil's spawn, and the children are going to lose because they clearly understand that their mission is to make the hijackal happy, and that's impossible. You know that. So a true catch-22. Children have enough upset to contend with when parents separate. It's enough to be moving and losing time with their friends or missing the non-custodial parent or just being feeling uncertain about what's going on and not having the right things at the right house. These are kid concerns. And children need not and should not be hearing about adult issues. They should never hear one parent say anything negative about the other directly or within their hearing. In fact, here in California, the laws in every divorce settlement states that clearly. And lawyers hearing this that has happened can and will reinterpret this as parental alienation. And that's not good for anyone. Hijackals, however, are masters of parental alienation while calling it, quote unquote, in the best interests of the children. Their MO is to use what I call emotional facts and spread them liberally in court as well as with everyone who will listen. Emotional facts are statements generated from the emotional reasoning of a hijackal. They feel true to the hijackal, and she or he wants others to accept them as true. And all too often, these emotional facts are not seen in the court, and courts don't see through them, and courts move too quickly to question them. Often this will produce sad consequences for you and the children. An example of using emotional facts your ex feels that you want to keep the children from her. She then proceeds to tell everyone that everything you do is to keep the children from her. There's no evidence in reality that you ever intended to keep the children away, but the strength and the power of her emotional facts and her emotional reasoning becomes her story. And she's sticking with it and she tells it to everyone and she'll embellish the story in whatever ways gets her more attention. And in court, she will cry, pout, rage, or seek pity to support her emotional facts. So whether or not divorcing was a shared decision or something that broadsided you, it's happened. It's the reality. Not engaging your child or children in the ongoing details of the conflict or the disappointments or the anger is important. It's not easy, but you're an adult and that's what a wise adult who cares deeply about the well-being of children would do. So I want to give you the clear guidelines I share with my clients to help you through these. Listen to these, think about it, listen to them again. Stay focused on what's important. Say this to yourself. I am the model I want my children to follow. 
Therefore, everything I do and say demonstrates whom I want my children to become. I communicate with my ex in a way that I want to be communicated with. I choose collaboration and conversation over conflict and acrimony. I focus on my children and what keeps them healthy, physically, mentally, and emotionally. That includes doing what is in their best interests first. I turn my attention from what I don't like about my ex to what she or he does well for the children. It's about the kids, not about my personal issues with my ex. My children have the right to be children, concerned only with age-appropriate thoughts, feelings, and actions. I protect them from being pawns, messengers, or casualties of my divorce. It can be difficult to rise up and be your best self when everything in you wants to blame, shame, and complain. I know, I've been divorced with children too, and from a hijackle. So you may have deep resentments after years of a rocky marriage, or you may have fresh scars that the divorce brought on, and it feels like your ex should pay for it dearly and for a long, long time. Leave that to the court. You have to get your head on straight and do what is best for the kids. Get help to get a healthy perspective on this right away. No matter how difficult it is or how frequently you have to remind yourself, put the health and well-being of your children first. That means your love for your children is stronger than your loathing of your partner and the divorce process. When you keep that top of mind, you will be able to master successful co-parenting. It won't be comfortable, but you can do it and give your children the best emotional environment in which to thrive. They deserve that. After all, they didn't ask for a divorce. For more tips, be sure to subscribe to my weekly tips for relationships. Just go to forrelationshiphelp.com and you can do that there. Talk soon. There you have it. If you want more, you can work with Dr. Shayla directly. She's eager to help you resolve your relationship issues. Have a question? Call in early to next week's show to talk with Dr. Shayla on air. Get her expert insights and advice by subscribing to her blog, newsletter, and YouTube channel. We're here for you. Don't be a stranger. Join us again next week. And in the meantime, visit forrelationshiphelp.com.